Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Wine Talk for today, Monday, July 1st, 2019. It's 11 p.m. Eastern, and I'm your host, Stu the Wine Guru, coming to you live from my studio in Pompano Beach, Florida. As you know, I'll take your calls anytime during the show at 914-338-1257. You can also go on to Instagram on my page at Stu the Wine Guru and DM questions for me and for my guest tonight, you can also go into the live chat room that I've set up here on my show page and meet and talk with other wine enthusiasts and also ask questions for my guest that hopefully I can get to. Thank you to all the listeners for supporting and getting the word out about the show, which this year enters a decade of broadcasting. Welcome to all of you listening worldwide. I call that the power of the people meets the power of the internet. And it just goes to show that people may not agree on everything, but when it comes to wine, we can all come together with our similar interests about it, with a nice glass in our hands, and get along. If you want to find out more about me, you can Google Stu the Wine Guru. There you'll find the websites, videos, articles, shows, and where I currently have traveled to in the world in pursuit of wine, food, and happiness. Uh, if you take a look at my feed most recently in posts on Instagram and Twitter, you'll notice that I just came back from the Greek Isles, Turkey, and Italy. Sunday fun day. Reckless love. Cannabis-infused wine. Innovative and pioneering winemakers. These are just some of the names of the wines and words used to describe my guest for tonight. I'm speaking of Chip Forsyth of Rebel Coast Winery. He will join me shortly to discuss how he makes great wine and pioneered the cannabis-infused wine market. Call in at 914-338-1257 and join in the conversation. A quick update as to what wine events you can join me at in the upcoming months, July 11th from 3 to 5 p.m., I'll be at Total Wine and More in North Miami, Florida, hosting a free wine demonstration for Jerusalem Wine Winery Vineyards, 2900 series of kosher wines. If you are into tasting top-quality kosher wines, join me there. You can find the address on my Instagram page. July 19th from 6.30 to 8.30 p.m., join me and Patrick Champentier, owner of Secret Vines Wines for an amazing French wine dinner at Le Bistro in Lighthouse Point, Florida. It'll feature five wines from them paired perfectly with the incredible cuisine of chef and owner Andy Trousdale. $75 per person plus tax and gratuity and seats will fill up quickly. So call 954-946-9240 and reserve your seats ASAP. Let them know that you heard about it on Wine Talk. August 3rd from 7 to 9 p.m. If you did not make the wine dinner at Le Bistro but want to try the Secret Vines wines, join Patrick Champetier and myself again at the winemaker's table in Delray Beach, Florida, when Chef Joshua Bradley will prepare five of his incredible dishes 
and they will be expertly paired with Secret Vines Wines. Call owner Jessica Schiletti at 561-501-4107 to reserve your seats. Finally, read my latest article in Simply the Best magazine on tonight's guest. Wine innovation of Rebel Coast wineries, Chip Forsyth, and Josh Lizotte who is also co-owner, on newsstands now, Barnes & Noble, bookstores, or go to simplythebestmagazine.com to read the online version. You can also click on Instagram, at StuTheWineGuru, in my bio, and read it as well. So now with all the self-promotion out of the way and without any further wait, let me bring on my guest for the evening, ladies and gentlemen, Chip Forsyth. Let me bring him live. Chip, is that you? It is. Ah, uh, the man, the myth, the legend. I've, I think I've, <laughs> I've probably missed a few things about in, in your, uh, your CV, but <laughs> needless to say, I'm ecstatic to have <laughs> you on here, man. I want to, I want to thank you for coming on tonight as my guest. It's great to have you. No, it's my pleasure, man. I'm, I'm totally all about this. Cool, cool, cool. So, Chip, you can field my first question for those of the listeners who have not heard of Rebel Coast Winery. Give them a quick history on it. Uh, Yeah, so uh, Rebel Coast, I started making wine when I was 19 um, for other people as an apprentice. Uh, Went to college, studied it, graduated, started a winery, grew it, sold it, and then in 2013 started Rebel Coast. Um, and we were just doing traditional wines with alcohol in it. Um, and then about two, two and a half years ago, decided to, we saw a prohibition for cannabis coming to an end. And, um, right. and, and we were like, well, well, you know, like, let's see if we can make cannabis infused wine. And I did that in college. It was super easy. You take a pound of shake, throw it into a barrel of unfermented juice and, the fermentation is a pretty violent process. The ethanol extracts the THC, and you strain out the, the flower leaves, like tea leaves, and you've got cannabis-infused out wine with alcohol in it. Um, but then, then a law passed where you can't sell alcohol or cannabis in the same building or in the same product. So we're like, okay, well, that, that sucks. So we decided to see what would happen if we removed the alcohol from wine, the alcohol molecule, and replaced it with the THC molecule um, and started this huge right. journey of trying to figure out how to make it taste good because wine without uh, booze <laughs> in it kind of tastes like garbage. <laughs> uh, right. But yeah, so we've, we've been making traditional wines for about five or six years now for Rebel Coast, the Reckless Love and the Sunday Fun Day that you were talking about. Um, then we started a cannabis-infused wine Um the legalities of California cannabis laws have been crazy. So navigating those took a year or two. Um, and we just got it to market here in California. It's only, since it's got cannabis in it, it's only for sale in dispensaries. And Reckless Love and Sunday Fun Day are traditional wines are, are only for sale in wine shops and and um, in stores like that. So it's, it's two completely separate gotcha. uh, companies, actually. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So let me do this. Let me let the new listeners know how this works. I have questions for you. My followers on social media have sent in questions from all over the globe. We have potentially, yeah. we may have callers call in questions. 
And I have a live chat room, actually, that I opened where I can source questions from as well. Since this is live radio, anything can happen, Chip. Uh, uh, So I want (laughs) to let you know and let everybody else know that uh, (laughs) – and it has happened, by the way – that uh, Chip has not had any pre-interview questions, so he does not know what the questions are going to be asked in advance. I have asked for questions from different followers all over social media. I hope to get them all and see if I can get to them. Uh, if you're listening and have submitted a question and don't, I don't get to it due to time constraints, please understand. Uh, so, um, Chip, hold on to your seat because in no particular order, here come the questions. So my first question is okay. from History and Wine. This is at History and Wine from Miami, Florida on Instagram. Her question is, how does each individual state's regulations towards cannabis impact sales? Which I think I know we know the answer already to that. Can you ship to states where laws don't allow cannabis? So you can feel that question. Yeah, no. Um, so each state – so right now uh, each state is completely different in terms of their laws, regulations. Um, but the blanket rule is you cannot ship cannabis over state lines. Um, so if you make if you make right. something and put THC in it in California, it can never leave California. So you have to make it if you want to sell in Colorado. You have to build for in our case, we have to build a winery in Colorado that only sells to Colorado. So it in the laws. Wow. Okay. Are changing? Yeah, it's it, it, it's incredibly hard. Like there's. It takes a lot of manpower to do this right, um, to go uh, national or even multi-state. There, anybody, any company that sells cannabis in more than one state, they call themselves a multi-state operator, um, and it's because they have the exact same operation cloned in a different state. So the laws in California have absolutely no correlation to the laws in Texas or Massachusetts or New York, um, and – I can only speak. I've only done business here in California, and the laws in California, it got legalized Mm -hmm. January 1st, 2018. It has been – the laws have been contradictory and changed Mm -hmm. every three months. Like there's company-ending laws written every three to four months. Um, It's a really, really – the hardest part about doing anything in cannabis, especially for someone who's doing something new, is the the laws. The regulatory environment is – is incredibly tough. <laughs> it's 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 hard. Right on the federal level too. I'm, yeah. I'm taking. They don't, because that that hasn't been an issue for us. No. Okay, good. Yeah. The, good. 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 The federal level is is more. I think two or three years ago it, it scared people off, but now um, federal legalization is is pretty much a guaranteed. Nobody knows when. I think it'll be before the 2020 election or at, right, right right after it. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't it doesn't stop investors from investing millions of dollars. It doesn't stop right. businesses from being startups. Yeah. Okay, so now my first question for you, this is coming from me. Did you consider mm-hmm. consider other vitals before you settled on Sauvignon Blanc to infuse with cannabis? And if so, here's my follow up. Yeah. Why was I not invited as a, a taster during those experiments? <laughs> Well, you as a, just curious. As a, as a wine, not that you knew me, you then. would have hated our first stuff. No, but you would have hated it. 
So I, but no, I didn't consider anything besides Sauvignon Blanc because the wine that we were making in college, the weed wine we were making in college, it, it still had, when you leave flour into a bear or into any juice, it extracts THC, but it also extracts the chlorophyll and the polyphenols of the flour. So all the, right. I right, thought right. that cannabis wine should smell like cannabis and taste like wine. So we made that. And then we gave out, I don't know, we had a thousand people or so try it and give us their feedback. And not a single person thought it was good. But I picked it because it, cause it, everybody that tried it, they were like, look, I want it to smell and taste like wine. I don't want it to smell like weed um, or right. bong water. Like it, it just, it wasn't a thing. But <laughs> Sauvignon Blanc, yeah, no, we got, we got, it was not good. I'm glad we did a test <laughs> run on this before we went in front of it. It was. Well, we, we, nobody, I mean, we had no idea. Like, we're, you couldn't Google it and be like, what's the best-selling weed wine? Like, what does it taste like? You know, for now, <laughs> if you want to make a good rosé, right, you right, just go right. out and buy the top 20-selling rosés, try them all, and make the best version of that you can. Um, but, yeah, so Sauvignon Blanc, we originally picked it because it has the herbal, grassy, lemongrass, floral characteristics right. that yeah. associated with cannabis the most. Um since then, we've completely gone away from that. We've, we've been able to isolate the THC molecule on its own. Um, it's tasteless and odorless. Okay. It, has, it has a little bit of bitterness to it, but not much. It can be covered up with, with good wine. Um, but, yeah, that's mm-hmm. why we picked the Sauvignon Blanc to begin with. But since then, we've made a rosé, um, sparkling wines coming out. Red wine is, is a couple more maybe six or eight months of R&D left in it because uh, red wine without okay. alcohol really tastes like shit. <laughs> it's just not good. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. we got to figure out I how imagine. to make that, make that taste good. Yeah. Well, if anybody's going to do it, we know, and now the, the rest of the world will know that you guys are really going to be the innovators and the pioneers of that, so that's cool. Um, oh, all right, so oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, at Enofila from Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. Uh, these are all Instagram, by oh the way. Oh, my gosh. Asks. Dude, Brazil. What are the sites? We get. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I'll let you go. Yeah, yeah. We get emails from Brazilians more than any other yes. country in the world. Um, being wow. like, when can we sell it? When can we sell it? Oh, oh dude, Brazil. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe some articles came out about us in the in national news. I don't know what happened, but, like, Brazilians have been really, really hounding us for this. It won't happen. Okay, so there laws. Yeah, there the, laws so the question here's the question: What are the side effects of cannabis wine? And then, is it stronger than the average fourteen percent wine? That's the question from Enofila from Rio de Janeiro. Yeah. Um, so the side effects are, are it's, there's since there's no alcohol in it, um, it's just like getting high. So it's the same side effects you'd have getting high. In that, mm-hmm. It depends on if you take a puff of a joint or smoke 10 bong loads. Like everybody's different. depends on how much you consume. Like, right, of course. Usually you're, you're, you're not – you don't feel it in the morning unless you drank a bottle or two. Um, and what was the other question? Sorry, it was uh, – Oh, and, oh, is, it, and it, is it stronger than average 14%? Yeah. Yeah, and then it was stronger than average 14%. Our first batch, which we, we sold out of, um, so, so there's no more of it left. But our first batch, I dosed uh, five milligrams in each glass of wine. So it would be 20 milligrams of THC in a bottle of wine. 
And it was it, the intoxicating effects were similar to a glass of wine. Like you can drink a glass of wine, you, you catch a buzz, but you don't get drunk. You drink a bottle of wine, mm-hmm. you, you know, everyone's different, but you usually will get drunk. And then, you know, it goes down, yeah. down from there. So I wanted to make something that you could, you could sip on and enjoy socially. The problem was when we went to the dispensaries with that, everybody's been used to their drug dealers selling them the best, the strongest, the highest potency, <laughs> everything. Um, it, it, wow. it, every drug dealer, you're like, this is the strongest. This is the yeah, best yeah. weed, you know, whatever. So then right. when, we come, when we came to the market with a five milligram thing, um, people weren't ex- were not stoked on it. I mean, not not stoked on it, but they were just like every dispensary owner was like, make this stronger, make this stronger, make this stronger. So we did. So we bumped right. it up to ten milligrams. So now, one glass of our cannabis infused wine has the intoxicating effects equivalent to two to three glasses of regular wine. I'd say two glasses of regular Got it. wine. Um, yeah, yeah, okay, but. The thing is, is is a 10 milligram glass of a liquid soluble THC is not equivalent to a 10 milligram gummy bear or a 10 milligram bite of a chocolate bar because it's liquid soluble. Your body absorbs it. Right. And it's hard. Yeah. Nobody's ever, I mean, nobody's ever tried liquid edibles. I mean, not nobody, but like very few people have. So. One mm-hmm. real big focus of our winery now is to do education, like customer education. Like nobody's ever tried weed wine before ours. So it's like, okay, here's what to expect right. when you drink it. Here's how long it'll take to feel. Here's what you feel afterwards. Like it, it, it's great because it's, it's a great, I mean, being hungover is super annoying, but like I love drinking wine and being social and doing stuff like that. Right. That was the real root of why we started this whole thing it was just like dude i, I can't be hung over anymore like i have stuff to do tomorrow <laughs> it's like okay what can we do to, i'm glad you answered to, that question yeah because yeah, a lot of people so, are sure um, thinking that in their mind you know oh yeah oh yeah i mean everybody's yeah. got quite everyone's very curious about this um and it's our well, and, and here to, you're going to get this to demystify it yeah, and you're going to get questions from everywhere. So it's the coolest part. So the next question is from Kirsty. I love it. Why not? From the UK, <laughs> and she asks, Beautiful. being that cannabis is illegal in the UK, is it safe? And then the follow-up question to that is, and is there a gap in the market for it? Ooh, so the UK is very different than California, but yes, it is. It is safe. Our because of the insane regulations here in California, we have to test everything. I think I think we test the cannabis that goes into the wine like seven or eight times. Um, there's huge restrictions. I mean, it, it's super regulated. Like I I own the winery. I made the wine. I don't have any of it at my house because it's all under quarantine and locked up. Like it, it's crazy. But yes, it's incredibly safe. Interesting. Um, and for, wow. Okay. And for the UK. No, dude, trust me, it's really annoying because, like, I don't know, like, we give away wine all the time, like, regular wine. Um, and people are right. like, dude, I want to try some of the weed wine. And you're like, I don't even have any of it. <laughs> yeah, Come on, dude. Good right, 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 right. Um, but, but, yes, it's super safe. The U.K. is, I'd say, five to eight years away from getting cannabis legalized. Their laws, uh, their laws are – That's what she was saying are, to um, me. Yeah. She said they don't, it's way they don't have dispensaries in London. Yeah. Right, right, right. She was the reason why like, she was saying that we were going back and forth about this 
and she was asked, he said, well, look, you know, uh, I haven't, uh, you know, I, because it's frowned upon in, you know, in the UK, um, that's why she, you know, I, I guess I'm, I'm not trying to say like that she prefers wine over that, but because it's legal, illegal, so obviously she's not doing that. She's not smoking and she's not partaking. Um, and she said, yeah. you know, the reason why she was asking, is there a gap in the market for it? She was really referring to, you know, California because not understanding how it works. I, I gave her like a whole breakdown. <laughs> I explained everything yeah. to her about it. You know? And then, and then she said, oh, okay, so is there a gap in the market? Is that why it got started? You know, and that's what she was asking. That was the second question. The safe part was she wanted to understand because of the idea behind putting taking alcohol out and you know um, putting THC in. The other part was okay. Yeah. Well, if it's safe, is is there a gap in the market and is that why it's you know it's doing what it's doing or it's selling what it's selling? So that was the I guess basically the the question she was asking in your market here in the states. Yeah, I mean, I don't know about a gap in the market because that. That's kind of different. I mean, we're creating this market, right? Like, I just right. I exactly. thought cannabis wine would be a cool thing to do. It's it's a great alternative. Like, if you want to get high, you can either smoke a vape pen, eat an edible, or smoke a joint. And none of those things right. are very social. Like, you can't smoke a joint indoors. If you're hitting a vape pen, it's like you hit it and then hide it. And if you eat an edible, right, like you right. gobble it. I don't know. It's just I like the social. Aspect no, I see what you're saying. You're not doing like it with people. Right. Yeah. It's not a social. Yeah. It's not it's a like social um, concept. Right. So I, I kind of like the idea that that if that brings the social aspect back into the the concept um, of in, in enjoying um, THC and all. Um, Nikki yeah. at and, Nikki Vervalu. Yeah. 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 I see your point there. So. So. Yeah. Good. So I didn't want to interrupt you. I didn't want to. Up on that, no, you were, you were also going to say, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so, um, oh, yeah. At at Nikki Vervladu, I think I'm pronouncing her name right. I've actually met her from Santorini, Greece. Asks, what are the aging potentials for your wine? Which I think is an awesome question because I, I don't even know if that if you've had the ability to see how it ages over the course of time and what what happens to the wine component wise. So I'm gonna let you answer that. I'm I'm really curious to hear the answer on this. Yeah, so am I. But I don't I don't know. <laughs> um, we, <laughs> we don't know. Like I can tell you That's I can great. tell you we bottled yeah, well we, we I mean we've done time and temperature trials and aging trials. Um our first okay. batch we did on May May eleventh of twenty eighteen. Um and it's it still tastes and smells like wine. Our most recent one okay. we did on Valentine's Day of 2019. Um, I think we bottled like 20, 20 or 30,000 bottles then. Um, they all, they're shelf-stable at room temperature, so you don't have to keep them in a the refrigerator the whole time. Um, okay. so, far, we, so far, we haven't had any corks pop off. We haven't had any re-fermentation in the bottle. Um, the, the flavor's good. Um, but, yeah, I, I can tell you, it, it it lasts at least a year and a half, <laughs> but that's it. Like that's, okay. as, that's as long ago well, no, that's as we a, bottled that's it. A, yeah, that's a fair answer because you really can't give one because it's a new concept. 
you know, the other thought yeah. what would be, you know, down the line, does the THC have any impact on the flavors and the aromas? Um, and here's the next question. I mean, I know you can't answer this. I'm, I'm asking all this because <laughs> I want to know, but, <laughs> but potentially does it, does the THC weaken over the course of time or do, can it, because of the fact that it's water soluble or does it stay stable in and, and, and potent as potent as it was the day it was bottled? You know what I mean? So that's stuff that's going to be questions yeah. that you're going to so, probably come upon. Yeah. Right? So the, okay. the amount of THC will stay the same in the bottle. Like if you put 40 milligrams into a bottle and you drink a whole bottle two years, five years later, you'll still consume 40 milligrams. There's, the THC right. doesn't denature in the liquid. However, some, okay. there's, there's other ways. There's other companies out there that make like – tea or lemonade or any type of liquid soluble with THC in it. And what it'll do is it'll precipitate down to the bottom of it or it'll, the oil, it won't be homogenized properly and the oil will float to the top. So then if you drink just the top, you know, like the first glass, you'll get all 40 milligrams and you'll be really stoned. Or if you drink wow. just the bottom part of it, you'll drink all 40 milligrams and be high. Ours, like we partnered up with this great company. We worked on this cool technology to make oil liquid soluble. It was awesome. Um, ours is should not do that for years and years and years. Um, the longest bench trial for keeping the THC completely homogenized in the liquid is three years so far. Um, mm-hmm. We haven't seen any separation. That's why we do it because there's there's three ways. I don't know how nerdy you want me to get on the science thing, but you can do like lipid soluble. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Please. You can attach. <laughs> I'm asking you. <laughs> okay. So you can um, uh, attach the – so oil – okay, so you grow a cannabis plant, and it's got THC on it. To get that out, that THC is an oil. So you hit it with cold nitrogen right. or ethanol or whatever, and then evaporate whatever the solvent is. So now you've just got a THC oil. And oil and water don't mix. So you've got to do something to mm-hmm. the molecule, the, the oil molecule, to make it not just float to the surface or precipitate out to the bottom. So you can attach it to a lipid, like a butter or a fat. Um, when you make brownies, right. you just take the weed and heat it up and it attaches to the butter molecule or the, the fat molecule in the butter. Um, or you can attach or you can um, put it into a jar, take the, the THC oil molecule, put it into a jar, and then put a surfactant in there. And then you put an ultrasound rod into the jar and it shakes it up to a frequency where it takes the oil globs and it makes them from large oil globs or oil glob molecules. It doesn't break the molecules up, but it makes them into smaller oil globs. And then that Got it. surfactant that you put on top of it should coat the molecule. And then now you have tiny little oil globs coated with a surfactant that keeps it behaving like it's water soluble. So that's one, there's, there's two okay. ways to do that. That's called nano emulsification. So you emulsify okay. the oil into little bitty, little bitty oil glob. Um, over time, you know, like three weeks, 
six months, whatever, that'll precipitate out. So you'll have a ring on the top or, or, or particles on the bottom of the bottle. Um, what we do is we coat it with a surfactant that in a surfactant is anything that just like, I don't know the actual definition of it, but it, it's anything that coats the molecule and lets your body absorb it faster. So what we do is we take the oil, the jar of oil, basically looks like honey. Okay. Take the jar of oil right. and you, you mix it up with a surfactant that attaches to the THC molecule and it makes it hydrophobic and hydrophilic at the same time. So it behaves okay. like it's water soluble. So it, it splits the, molecule, the the large oil globs up without an ultrasound rod, splits them up, and then um, coats them so that they stay in suspension, in our estimation, indefinitely. The thing is, is once you coat it with a surfactant like that and you make the THC oil glob liquid soluble, when you drink it, and it, it, normally people have eaten a brownie or a chocolate or a gummy bear, and it takes 45 minutes to an hour and a half to hit you. And that's because your body goes through your stomach, then goes through your intestines, then goes through your liver and then into your bloodstream. You have to go through the whole digestive right. process. When you drink something that it has, that's liquid soluble, if it's, if it's bioavailable, you know, it depends on what surfactant's coating the molecule. Ours is like 85% okay. bioavailable your body, it, it goes right through this little lining in your stomach, not as fast as alcohol does, but pretty, pretty quickly. So you, you drink okay. it and you'll feel it in 15 to 30 minutes. Every, everyone's different. Full stomach right. empty stomach, but you feel it. And because you feel it so fast, it goes through the lining in your stomach because you feel it so fast. It's like two to three times as strong as eating a, so, like, if you eat a 10-milligram gummy bear, you might feel a little head change. You won't feel anything. But if you drink a 10-milligram beverage, you'll feel it right away, and it hits you. It hits you fast, and it's, it's like three to four times as strong um, because your body absorbs it all at once. Right. Got it. So, yeah, so, I mean, in that scenario, um, you're, it, it basically is working in the same Vain, without no pun intended, almost uh, <laughs> yeah. as as alcohol, you know, uh, in that it, that it gets absorbed um, almost in the same way, and but mm -hmm. the impact of it is th the full impact per se of the amount of yeah. milligrams of THC. So in other words, it's 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 like the amount of time it takes you to get to where you would get to with alcohol, but almost instantaneously. Well, we're not saying instant, but we're saying well, I wish you know, in the shortest amount it's, of time. It's still slower. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're, we're yeah, working on yeah, we're working on getting it on on mimic cuz my goal is to make something that smells and tastes like wine and gets you intoxicated in the same onset time as wine does but without the hangover. Right. And you're high instead of drunk. So it's, it's different. Absolutely. You know, different end result. Um, we haven't gotten there yet. We're doing, we do tons of, we've got a team of, we've got a lab full of scientists and they all are working on this. We're all, we're all working on it, um, to speed up the process. But yeah, hopefully, right. hopefully, I don't know, in the next eight months, we'll be able to come to market with something that, uh, that can, you'll, you'll feel in, in minutes. But who knows? So here's my question. So go, going back to what you had said, it's, 
at top of the show, and that is this. Since it, it, let's just say tomorrow, uh, the five states around you or the ten states around you uh, legalize it, fully legalize mm-hmm. uh, marijuana and all. Um, does that give you the ability to then say, okay, I, I can ship it over state line because I'm shipping it directly to a state that um, has the same I laws wish. and abides? No. It doesn't. It doesn't mean anything. They're not. So all, that's, that's, all, all okay. five states around us, are, they've already legalized. Like Vegas, right, Washington, right. or not Vegas, Nevada, Washington, Oregon, they've all, they're all legal, but they all have their own right. different laws. They're all written by city officials, like state officials. They're not – this isn't I written see. by the FDA or anything with a blanket law. So everybody's trying to follow right. their own laws. That everybody's trying to pass. It, it's it's about starting a cannabis company. I thought our hardest thing would be to make a product that tastes good and gets people high. The absolute right. hardest part about a cannabis in 2018 and 19 was the legal environment. I mean, it has put people out of business. Not not left and right because 2018 people raised a lot of money. Um, they haven't burned through it yet. Some of them have burned through it, but it is. A, it's a company-ending thing, not setting aside hundreds of thousands of dollars for legal fees um, in lawyer yeah, consultation. I imagine. Makes sense. Yeah. Makes sense. So my next question is, what other beverages have you or are you considering? Mm-hmm. None. This is hard enough. <laughs> That's <laughs> this, it. This is the hardest, man. Got it. Yeah, because Got here's it. the thing. Like, we could, we could just – we could make a, a – a LaCroix, like a sparkling water with THC in it, no big deal, whatever. That's easy. Right. CO2 and flavor and water, and it's good. Wine, right. like every my, – my hardest critics are wine lovers because wine's such a sensory evaluation experience. You get a glass of wine, and if you – I don't know. If, if you love wine, like every glass, you smell it before it, you analyze it, you drink it, and then you contemplate on it, like – is this good? Where are these flavors coming from? Where is that going? And then you try it again. And, you do, and then by your third glass, you're like, okay, cool. Like, let's just turn the music up and dance around. But yeah. our hardest critics are wine drinkers because we don't have any booze in this stuff. And that is a huge, like, the alcohol molecule is a fat That's molecule. True. And it tastes really, really good. Like, fat tastes great. Um, so yeah. taking that out and trying to mimic mimic the mouthfeel, the taste, and the aromas of a wine without it. I mean, dude, this has been the biggest challenge ever. <laughs> but we, we finally figured I it out. I never even thought about it. Do. Yeah, it's hard. I mean, you know what? Never if even you thought it, about that. Yeah. Neither did I. <laughs> I didn't either. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea what we were doing. Uh, we went to a couple killer. wine That's shows. Killer. Yeah. But, like, we went to a couple of wine shows and we, you know, gave it to all these sommeliers and all these self-proclaimed aficionados and bloggers and stuff like that. And they were so underwhelmed with it. This is our first batch. Like this, this stuff's still, right, of course. We, you know, we, we've come a long way from this, but they were so underwhelmed because they're like, it doesn't taste like wine. I'm like, okay, let me, let me keep working on this. Let me keep trying. Yep. Um, and it took a couple, a couple vintages. And then we finally came out with something that it, it legit, like we have to actually tell people now with our rosé, you have to tell people like, hey, there's no alcohol in this. Like, don't you? Right. There isn't because you you can't taste it. But it took, I mean, it took a ton of work to figure that out. 
Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I can imagine like now thinking about it as you're enlightening me and everyone that, you know, once you take it out, there are other aspects that are taken out with it, <laughs> with it. Oh yeah. And well, you, oh, and, yeah. <laughs> and when you're replacing with THC, you, you're not necessarily okay. So that's not the job is not done at that point in time. Then it's okay. Now it's <laughs> multiple uh, versions. <laughs> and vintages oh, yeah. in order to get it perfected. So I can definitely see where you're at. I mean, you'd want to get the Sauvignon Blanc perfect. You'd want to get the rosé perfect mm-hmm. before you even think about getting into red wine, you know? Yeah. I, it makes complete yeah. sense. Totally get it. Um, all right, so this next question is – I love this question. This is from Ellen Clifford from Los Angeles. She actually has uh, a podcast called The Wine Situation uh, and she, I've been on her show, and her question is, what's bringing you joy? Oh, oh a lot of things. Um, cool. Whatever it is. Uh, my friend. Yeah, I, I, this sounds super hippy-dippy, but, like, the people I surround myself with have brought me so much joy uh, in building something. Building something right. and a good group of friends. Whether it's whether it's a company or a motorcycle or like something out of wood, like I, I just like building stuff. Um, it brings me joy to like see my final product. Like this winery, like everyone's curious about it. Like, What's weed wine? I would love to try some. All right, cool. And this is before the regulations kicked in. I had a bunch. So I, like it brings me joy to like give someone something. It's like, dude, try this. Give me your honest feedback. I, I'm not looking for praise yet. I need a lot of help. Tell me what you really think on this. Um, and then working on it, like just solving problems brings me a lot of joy. Cool. I don't know. No, I, don't know. Listen, <laughs> I, I, I totally respect that. Stuff, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So another question I have is what are the biggest challenges as well as what is – well, you've just said what the biggest reward is working with cannabis. But what is what are the biggest challenges? Well, I think you've almost said that too. <laughs> but go ahead, tell me both. Yeah, the biggest reward is uh, I put my cell phone number on every cork for the cannabis wine and our uh, our our traditional wine. Like Reckless Love has either mine or one of my friends' cell phone numbers on every cork, so we get these calls all the time. You know, five or ten a day, people being like all over the country drinking it and oh, I, I answer the phone a lot of telemarketers have been calling lately but I, I always answer the phone <laughs> and it's just like that is it's, cool though like it, it, yeah it's like making people's lives like a little bit better and I know that sounds like hippie or whatever but like no, you have a man. bottle of wine with cool. cannabis or alcohol in it you share it with somebody like I hope your life is like you had a good time and you had a good experience yeah and your life a little better. Um, the biggest challenge, hands down, the government. They have no; they're not right. malicious, but they have no clue what they're doing at all. Like there's right, right. There's, these are state employees writing laws to legalize a multi-billion-dollar black market, and they have no clue what. They're yeah, doing. I guess. And right, right, right. They'll, they'll write one law that says don't do this. And then they'll write another law that says do this, and then you'll follow one of those two, and then they'll come at you for doing the complete opposite of what one law said and didn't say. 
um, and it'll put your company behind three to four months because you have to repackage everything. Um, the black market wow. for cannabis is thriving, thriving, because yeah. the legal market is so heavily regulated. Like very few people, and I, I can only speak for California, but we're the largest, yeah. right? Very yep. few people have the financial backing to weather the storm of the heavy regulations because everybody that's grown cannabis or made cannabis products or made vape pens or whatever in California has been doing it for five, 10, 15 years with no legal ramifications if you get caught. And now that it's federally legal, oh, no, not, not, not federally legal, but now that it's statewide legal, there's even less ramifications. There's no penalty for operating in the black market, and you don't pay tax. Got it. Right. So if you want to, right, if right. you want to get an eighth for forty dollars, you go to an illegal dispensary. And if you want to get an eighth for eighty dollars or ninety or one hundred and twenty dollars, you just walk across the street and you go to a legal one. And the illegal dispensaries right. are putting the legal dispensaries out of business because they're not paying taxes on anything. They don't. Cannabis is so expensive now. The legal stuff is it's so much more expensive than it used to be uh, because of these taxes. It's like a 35, 40% tax on all cannabis products. Right. And if you don't, if you don't want to follow that rule, there's no penalty for it. You just, you'll get a, a fine or a slap on the wrist or a misdemeanor. Like there's no, so the biggest struggle is the black market versus the, the legal market. Um, and that's statewide. That's for cultivation, distribution, sales. I mean, it's, it's, it's a billion-dollar, multi-multi-billion-dollar black market that has been thriving in California for years. Um, and it's not it's, – it's So what do you think is going to change Regulated that? right now, it's not going away. Penalty. Penalty. Got it. You've got to penalize the guys that, that aren't following the rules. Do you think that the the uh, legislators that are in now, and I'm, I'm not saying that you need to, you know, bash or or, or support or whatever no, anybody no, in particular, but do you think that they're doing what they need to do, or do you think that they can be influenced no. or you know, so they're not, they just they're not. or they don't know, they really don't know what to. They do. don't know. It, it's not malicious. Got it. This isn't a, this right. isn't like a bunch of right winged. Republicans saying weed is bad. This is a bunch of people being like, right, right, right. how do we regulate such a big market when it was voted on to make it legal? Like, how do we, what do we do? So they're starting to, but they're right. really, really, it's the government. They're slow on everything. Um, but yeah. they're really slow on, they're starting to change some of the taxes to repeal them to make it uh, a less taxable thing. Uh, or less of a heavy tax on cultivation and manufacturing and extraction. Uh, but it, it it may not happen fast enough. People are losing their, you know, some guy that was, this is like a pretty standard story. Here in Los Angeles, there's, mm-hmm. I, don't know, I think, 1,500 dispensaries, and only 300 of them are legal, right? So there's 300 guys that went wow. legal. And the number changes. The number changes. Like it goes up and yeah. down all the time, um, but not by much. And mm-hmm. these three hundred or five hundred that are legal used to be in the black market. They put their life savings into it, and they tried to do this. They hired lawyers. They got building inspectors. They got zoning regulations. They paid their fees. They got a dispensary up and running. 
And then the laws change again, where it costs more, you know, it's, it's like $20,000 every, every time you turn your head for this fee, for that fee, for this repackaging, that repackaging, this tax, this manufacturing thing. Um, and it's, it's driving a lot of people that wanted to do this without the fear of going to jail, without, you know, like being clean. They want to be clean about it. It's driving a lot of people out of business. They just run out of money now. Wow. Got it. Yeah. So I, I guess it's like yeah. it's the strong will survive. It's the ones that can can, you know, kind of wait it out and and, you know, basically survive. It's the really ones the, that the, the, the bottom. Investors, investors are propping up the cannabis industry 100 percent. Right. There are people. Right. People are going to make fortunes and lose fortunes. Guaranteed. Yeah, I mean, but, but isn't that like almost every industry? Don't you think it's kind of like if you look at if you look at uh, no, alcohol, this is nothing like you know, that, or prohibition and all that, that. You know? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, if you're going to go back 60, 70 years, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, 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 if is... you go back, you know, in the beginning, the bathtub gin, and when people yeah. were starting to make it and and, and do things, I, I kind of think 